How amazing is your love for us. When we let our minds wander through the scriptures and we think about all that you've done and all you've declared in your word, Father, we feel most loved and cherished that you would give the price of your only son. That he would become for us our righteousness. We thank you. And Father, I pray this morning as we look into your word that you would meet us where we are as you, you always do. And help us, Father, to love you. And for some of us, Father, we would pray, help us to fall in love with you again. Grow us. Direct us to you. Father, that we might abide in you. Father, that you will become, as Isaiah said, more than our salvation. That you become our strength. And Father, you become our joy, our song. Father, give, give us this morning, Father, your, the presence and power of your spirit to work in our life. Turn our hearts and turn our attention to you. Speak to us, we pray, for we desperately need it. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. This morning I want to bring a word to you from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, but he speaks to us in such an amazing way. Before we read the, the text together, I, uh, I want to share with you something that I think uh, just kind of came to me early, early hours this morning. And uh, it was when we were on a mission trip some years ago. And we found ourselves high in the mountains in a remote place. And I got to witness something that was profound to me. And I had this kind of study, and unfortunately we were there for two or three days, so I, I got to witness this each morning for about three days. But we were in a place that couldn't have been much different than, than the lifestyle of maybe Abraham. There was these men in the village, they would get up early in the morning, they'd take their sheep out into the mountains, and they would spend the whole of the day there. And the real, I didn't even see this, we didn't get up that early. But they would come back in the evening, in the late afternoon, and that's what I saw that was amazing to me. There was, I don't know how many sheep, maybe 150 or 200 sheep, but each, each household would only have maybe 6, 10, 12 sheep to their, their own. So it was all these men took their sheep and all over the sides of the mountains feeding all day long. They brought them back in and I saw them come down. There was this lane that came down through the, kind of wound its way around in the village and where we were, uh, the family we were with, he had kind of a high up place so I was sitting up on the wall and I was just watching. And when these sheep came rushing down, I was like, wow, what are they going to do? How are they going to stop them? They were coming so fast, and it, was just, it looked chaotic to me. And then I just saw these sheep just peel off, one little group this way and another little group this way, and they were all going into their owner's place. And I 
thought, how did that happen? So I was like sure to watch it the next day, so I was going to watch closer. And it was like they made this, not loud noises, but these little sounds. And the sheep would know each of their owner's particular sound. And it would draw them, and then they would come home for the, for the night. And I thought to myself, Jesus, how often he declares, my sheep hear my voice. And he has this way of talking to us and speaking into our hearts, and he calls us to himself. My sheep hear my voice. I pray this morning that you're used to that sound. It's got to be different probably for everybody. Each, each one of those guys that had sheep, each one of them had it, their own sound. But that the, you can hear the Lord speak to you and call on you and, and just have time with you because it's critical. I feel like we're in an age today where in Christianity, and it seemed Jesus addressed it the same, so I don't know that it's actually special to our age, but Christianity lacks something. It has its appearances, but it lacks something, and all I believe that, that it lacks is it lacks a hidden life with Christ. So as I go through this text and we look at some things, let this work in you. Do you have a hidden life with Christ? A secret life with Christ? Because I think we'll find out from the text that our Lord desires this. Look at Matthew chapter 6. And I'm, uh, I'm reading the, the kind of the middle third. If you wanted to divide Jesus' Sermon on the Mount up into three sections, you have chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. So I'm going to kind of work through chapter 6. A few verses I picked out, but I, I found it quite profound that what I'm looking at this morning as my text was likely a third of Jesus' message when he preached it on the mount in Jerusalem. A third of what he had to say is focusing on this one thing. And often I have read this and not picked up on it. And I was like, wow, I, I love this truth in the scriptures, in the word of God. And so let me read these passages to you. Um, I want to read in chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. First, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse number 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. 
and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And now move to verse 16. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So these are the passages that just jumped out at me. He he addresses them first in the beginning. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So he begins and he gives them a warning. Now I want to say something. The you that he keeps speaking to when you give your alms, when you give your offerings, when you pray, and when you fast, he's speaking to his sheep, because his sheep will hear his voice. He speaks to them so they can see what manner of things, how this is supposed to look. If you will recall, in chapter 5, Jesus sabotages the entire religious world of his day. I think you've got to spend some time to think about that, to take the full scope of what he's doing. But he literally undid the religious right of his day. You remember some of the verses, right? I don't want to go back and read it for time. But he said, um, you say that it's, you shouldn't kill, you shouldn't murder. I say that you shouldn't hate your brother. If you hate your brother, you've, you've murdered him. And he went through, he went through all these things and he put, he he spoke of heart sins that people were doing. You say you shouldn't commit adultery. I say if it's in your heart, you've committed adultery. Go back over that chapter and read it. He was literally writing the ship. He was writing truth. And it didn't go over well with many people. And now, after undoing that, he begins to lay out a plan for his sheep. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. Now, it's a warning because doing this the wrong way can be all about sinning and not about glorifying God. It can be all about bringing glory to yourself and nothing about bringing glory to God. So he says, you know, you don't want to get this wrong. So beware of practicing. It's not that practicing your righteousness before men is a bad thing. You need to let your light shine. That's important. But not the way he says it in the scriptures. Not the way he is telling this story about how the Pharisees and just the religious do-gooders of his day. Not in that manner. And he says, sets this straight before them so they would understand. He doesn't want them to miss because there's a reward these people are getting. He says they get their reward. When they walk out in the street and they sound the trumpets before they give, when they disfigure their faces before they, uh, so the people will know they're fasting, when they 
when they go out and pray and they just pray in the synagogues and just heap phrase on top of phrase on top of phrase to get attention from people. He says they get their reward. That very thing that they're seeking, Jesus says they're getting it because they wanted recognition. They weren't doing it because they were, wanted to glorify God. They wanted recognition. They wanted to be somebody. They wanted people to know that they were special. We need to do our righteousness before men. We need to let our light shine. But we need to understand righteousness the way Jesus understands righteousness. And I think there's two things that, that it's, I feel are very important. First of all, there is a righteousness that we have in Christ. This is where it comes from. This is what we know. It's our salvation. Okay? Jesus died on the cross. He fulfilled the whole of the law perfectly. He never sinned and therefore presented himself as sacrifice. In a great tribunal in heaven before the time began as we would know it, this was the agreement between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And it was an acceptable labor. It was an acceptable work of love. Jesus would go to the cross and die in our place. And we would be able to be clothed in his righteousness. When God looks at you as a believer, as a true believer, you love the Lord, you've, you've confessed your sins, you seek and you desire Him, you have faith in Him, you are a believer and you are covered in His righteousness. There is no condemnation that can come on you. That's a righteousness by which we have our salvation. Now there's another kind of righteousness, the kind that you practice. This kind of righteousness is critical. And Paul does an amazing job in just a couple of short verses. I want to read to you something you've already, you know well. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10, Paul wants to declare something because he doesn't want, and Jesus didn't want people to get confused about what righteousness was. So Paul says this to all the churches that he would minister to, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of, of works, so that no one can boast. For we are, so that's salvation, complete. Okay. Now look at the next verse. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let me read it again because it's just amazing. This is amazing. For we are his workmanship, of course. He's working in us. He drew us to himself so that we would know his love. We would know his forgiveness. We would know, his, we would know salvation in him. We would know acceptance in him. He says, so his, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So there is a righteousness, there is a practice, an intimacy that we are to have with God based on this practicing of righteousness. These are the righteous works our Lord and Savior prepared in advance for us to do. Now what might they be? I would like to know too because I would get really busy about that. But you want to know what righteousness he has prepared for you in your life to do? You're going to have to talk to him. You'll have to go to him. Some things are very clear in the scripture. He isn't left, he's not silent on this, but for you, 
need to talk to him because he's prepared righteousness for you to do. That could be a lot of different things. So, this righteousness is, is clearly understood. We're talking this morning about works of righteousness, things that we should be busy about doing and involved in, but clearly know that it's not, our, it's not salvation we're working for. That's a done deal. We have it. We have security in Christ. But there's more. Not to be saved, but there's just more you're invited into. So what we have lying before us in chapter 6 is an extraordinary invitation that God gives us to come with him to be on mission, to be on an adventure with him. He has in mind to give you a reward because he says those who are practicing wrongly, they have their reward. They got the recognition from men that they wanted, but there's another reward God has for you, and it's not that. So you might want to know, what is that reward that he has for me? It's the reward it's God's special reward for his children. All right. So he gives this warning. And now there's three things that I want us to look at that he talks about as he's warning us. He said, because here's the thing, my sheep, he would say, he was teaching the, his children, there's things that are being practiced in the world around you, the mainstream Christianity or the mainstream religious practices of that day. And he, he, he went through this. He says, there are those who, when they give, they sound trumpets. And he says, when you give, don't sound a trumpet. And I asked myself, I wondered if they really did sound a trumpet before they gave to draw attention to themselves. I would suppose that probably they did. Or they found some other clever way to be acknowledged. And Jesus says, don't do it that way. Do it secretly. Don't do it that way. There's a certain way to give, and I want you to, to think about it this way. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Find a way to give. That word giving in the scriptures is alms. Actually, in some versions, maybe your version that you're looking at this morning says, beware of practicing your righteousness before others. It says, beware of practicing your alms before others. If you look that word up and study it, it's practicing your compassionateness, your compassion, your love. So all of this is incorporated in that idea. The second thing he warned them about was praying. When you pray, don't pray on the street corners. In other verses, the Pharisees would often have these things that would dangle off their wrists, little lockets where prayers were written in them and they dangle them off of both wrists maybe they wear them on their head and they wanted to get attention from people that they were very holy people and very admired and looked up to he says when when you pray here's what you should do go into your home go into your to a, to a private place where just you and God can spend time this is what I want for you and then he would say when it comes to fasting this is that drawing away. Usually we, it's thought of in terms of when you're eating, maybe you skip a day or whatever God calls you to do. You pull away from something and you just devote yourself wholly to God. When they fasted, they would just contort their faces and they would just want everybody to know that they were just such a wonderful, holy person. And look at them, they're fasting and doing without and just, you know, having a hard time of it. Look at them, they're just as terrible. 
And Jesus said, don't do that. Wash your face and smile and go out into the streets and, and don't let it be between you and God that you're fasting. So he, he gives this context of these three things that could be the most powerful way you and I can connect with our Lord in, in the popular movement of the day. It was, a, it, was, it was like they couldn't go more horribly wrong. And Jesus says, think of these are things that are good. Giving, praying, and fasting, these are really connections with me. And, and if you do it that way, it's going to be wrong. You're being robbed of, what, of the reward that you can have with me if you do these things. Sets it down for him in as plain and simple as he can because God desires something of us. People, he desires something. The word secret is kryptos, right? You've kind of heard that word before. It's like cryptology. It's, it's encryption. It's something secret and hidden. And Jesus is saying, I want this with my children. He's warning, listen, this mount that's got all these people sitting there listening to Jesus isn't filled up with Sadducees and Pharisees and these high-minded religious figures. There might be a few scattered in the crowd. Be sure they'll run back and tell the high priest what they've seen. But for the most part, they were just believers. And Jesus says, I just don't want it to go wrong for you here. This is, this is where you and me become intimate. We need to practice our righteousness in secret. There needs to be things that we do that is just something that God and I know about, God and you know about. It's kind, of re, it's kind of caused me to check, and this is my emphasis here, but it's kind of caused me to check sometimes when God's done something in my life or he's answered a prayer. I'm not as quick as I used to be in calling people and saying, you know what, God just did something amazing. I prayed this and he did this. and I, Sometimes I back away. I like to give the testimony, and maybe it's good enough for me to say, Wow, God answers prayer. Go for it. Spend time with him. He's amazing the way he does it. And hold back a little bit of that thing that he and I have that's special, that he's working in me that's unique. Share some things. You'll know when it's good and when it's right, but then there's those things that he wants just something for you and him. Do you really, do you get this, that Jesus wants that kind of intimacy? I think I'm afraid that there could be a potential uh, of taking the scripture and going way wrong with it and going way off base. And that is, if you look at this and say, I, I think I get it, I think I get it. I, we, need to be, we need to do things and, and we need to be secret and we need to do them just, just so only God and I know about it. So then you get your checkoff list and you start thinking of things to do for the Lord. It's just He knows about. And so you think of this thing and you go, check, we did this and nobody knows it. Then I did this and nobody knows it. No, that is not a, at all what this is about. It's about being with Christ. Your Father who sees in secret, who is hidden with you. He's in that prayer room with you. He's in that, that compassion of love and giving. He's with you. And you're doing it. It's actually His work that He has for you to do. This is how you come under the yoke. Come unto me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. This is coming under the yoke and putting it on and saying, God and I are going to work together. We're going to do something. And he's, 
He's the lead. And I get to go with him, and I get to do things like this. It's an adventure to be excited about, to be literally exuberant about. I get to go on mission with God. Sometimes we pray and leverage our relationship with God so we can get rid of every hardship in our life. And it's those very hardships that bring us to the closet. It's the very hardships that say, I'm going to push some stuff out of my life. I'm going to fast and I'm going to connect with God. I need Him and I want to hear from Him. These are the th- we need these things in our life, these trials and struggles, because, wow, without them, we think, pretty soon we can do it on our own. We think pretty soon we don't need him directing and maneuvering in our lives. We don't want that to happen. We need him. And this is what he desires for us. My sheep hear my voice. I want them to come with me and we got things to do. Desire and hunger for a hidden life with Christ. Spend some time meditating and thinking, do I have this? Some of you are sitting there, and you know what you're doing? You're going like, oh, I, I think he's working that in me. I actually think this is what's happening in me. Because you've been feeling these things in you, and there's, been, and there's a spirit of God been drawing you to something. This is how God works. You know, when Jesus preached the, this kind of word and this kind of message, there was usually two outcomes. People were either enraged or astonished. The ones that were enraged were these who said, you can't change this. This is the way we practice. This is the way we do church. This is the way my family's always done church. You can't change this. And they were enraged and they hated him from the beginning with his teaching. And others just listen and they're like, astonished. They hear these words and they think, this has been going on in me. Or there's been a hunger in me that has not been fulfilled. And I keep looking for something that will fill this desire and this satisfaction in my life. I've been chasing after every other kind of thing there is. And it hasn't satisfied me. What it is is a desire. If you're a child of God, if he has died for you and his spirit has been sent into you and he's called you to himself, he has something extraordinary for you. And it has to do with you and him. Being together. Being on mission. And what joy there can be. It'll put a song in your heart. It'll put strength in you. It is very different for all of you who could have this kind of a testimony, and I would say that that's probably all of you, or some of you are about to, but when trials slam you so hard and derail your entire life, you don't even know which way's up. You can't think straight. By the way, people, there are those around you that are there right now, and they need you, brothers and sisters in Christ, because they can't think straight. To help them along. There are people. But you can't think straight and then God comes and his spirit comes into you and you begin to feel a strength that you've never known before. You're unacquainted with it.
because we know what our strength feels like. We know what self-confidence feels like. We know what self-assurance feels like. But wow, when, we're, when all of those are stripped away from us and we're, we're face down, God touches us, His Spirit comes into us, and we begin to feel His love. We begin to understand His steadfast mercy and grace and love that's at work in our lives. And this is what He wants His children to feel working in them. That's why they're astonished. He spoke against the Pharisees with truth. I think we need to do this in our life. The admonishment he gives is, come with me. I'll paraphrase it a little bit, but come with me. Come meet with me. Come join me. I have some things that we can do. And it's an adventure that is beyond all earthly boundaries. And it's with God who loves you. It's in secret. Pray. Let me just close with this. I, I just want to admonish you in, in a way that our Lord admonished these that on the mount that heard him, this message. Ask God to speak to you. I have a student, y'all. I have a student. He's a local. And he spoke to me oh, a few weeks ago and said that he was an atheist. And I was like, <laughs> I had other students around. I was a little worried what was going to happen. Nothing happened. And later on, he came and, um, hang on one second. This is doing something I don't understand. I don't know my time's about up. But I have stuff. I, that goes off, i got five minutes. Anyway, he, so after class, he came to me, and we were talking, and, and I was scared to say too much, and because uh, of where I teach, and I was, but I was looking for an opportunity, and then we had an opportunity, and I, you know what I told him? I said, I said, you may be confused about a lot of things, and maybe what religions you have been involved with in your family are not fulfilling to you. But I said, if there is a God in heaven, then who created all things, then he can hear you. So I asked him, Go speak to God. If you're serious, go talk to Him. Go in secret and talk to Him. And that's my admonishment for you. Go to God and ask Him what's next for you. What's next? He is desperate for you. Above everything in the world you think is important, He's desperate for you. You know, God created us in a in a way that we, as people, we need to be needed. Do you realize that? We need to be needed. Christ loved us so, with that kind of love, I can't explain this, but with that kind of love that Christ loved us with, He needs us. Do you hear what I'm saying? He God chose to be this way. He chose, this is what he wanted in his own heart. He needs us. I can't explain that. 
But when you love the way he loves, oh, he, he, he spared nothing to show his love for us. Gave, give, gave his son there. That expresses some need. Not like you and I know a need, but that's some divine need. He desires you. And why is he calling out in this sermon, encouraging them and inviting them into something tender and loving and compassionate? Come with me and have a hidden life with me. Desire me. And then I'll actually make your light shine more than you've ever imagined. You want to touch other people's lives with the gospel? Then it needs to touch you. It needs to touch you. Let's pray together and pray for this leading of the Spirit in our life. Our gracious Father, thank you for today and your blessings and thank you for your word. Thank you for that the salvation for us is 100% absolute. But Father, thank you that you've given us works that we can do and that we can join you, that you've created these things, you've, you've provided these works beforehand for us to do. And Father, for us to do with you, not alone, but with you. Thank you, Father, that you are always with us. And I pray, Father, that we would not stop seeking you and desiring you. Lord, we long for you to draw us into this relationship. If we haven't had it, Father, I pray that you would impress it upon us in the most powerful way. Father, we know we, we desire this kind of work in us, this kind of transformation that brings us fully into your presence knowing your love and compassion, knowing, Father, truth as you want us to know it. We ask your blessings now and favor upon your word. Let your spirit work in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.